Oh, well, good morning, everybody. We are so glad that you're here. My name is Tom, and uh, if anybody gives me five bucks, I'll do one more thing this morning at the end of today. I, man, I, I enjoyed today. Um, I didn't enjoy writing today's sermon as much as I usually enjoy writing a sermon, um, but because when Pastor Scott said, hey, we're going to do a series on marriage, and I'd like you to preach one week, I was like, oh, that's great. I, you know, I love, I love talking about marriage because I love being married. And he's like, I want you to, uh, to talk about this. And it, Jenna texted me. That's my wife's name. She'll be mentioned a few times today, all in good fun. Um, she texted me, and she's like, are you preaching during the marriage series? And I was like, yep. And she's like, what are you talking about? It better not be on submission. I'm going to need to see those notes. And I'm like, no, I want to talk about fighting. And she's like, those two. So... Um, we didn't really have any fights about it, but even last night, she was trying to say things to me, like that maybe, oh, I'll quote that tomorrow. And I was like, you're trying to finagle your way into my sermon. Come on. It's not even fair. But I'm going to get a few in because, you know, gentlemen, if your ladies try to hint at something, you know, you do it. You score. And the points. Points in the marriage. This side has a funnier mind. This side caught up. Pray for those sinners. Um, you know, I, there's a there's a saying uh, about marriage, and and I've been blessed. I've I've gotten to do a lot of weddings, um, not as many as my mom, who used to work for a wedding chapel. And I think the, somewhere in the neck of the woods, because sometimes back in the '90s, people got married at little wedding chapels. You guys remember those? And and some of you may have been married in one. But my mom worked there for about 15 years. Don't change my math, but did around 10 thousand weddings. We have, and and you know, I was there as a little boy for a lot of those weekends, and I have done some interesting weddings and seen them. But you know what's funny? There are certain things that you have to say to the bride. You have to say to her, oh, you look so beautiful today. You have to, it's legally binding. I don't know if Trump changed that one yet or not, but it's legally binding. You've got to say, oh my goodness, your heart, oh, look at you. Oh, and your, oh, your hair and your makeup, and I love all the colors. Wow, it's amazing how many different shades of salmon you made your bridesmaids wear. That's, that's fantastic. I'm doing one wedding, and I said, oh, okay, uh, do you need help with the flowers or anything like that, getting up there? And she's like, we're not doing flowers, we're doing feathers. And I'm like, Pinterest is giving us some weird wedding choices these days. So everything is, is like shiplap and wine stoppers, corks. That was the operative word I was looking for. But I've been around enough people, and so have you, to believe that this saying right here is probably true. All it takes to fall in love is a pulse. <laughs> All it takes to fall in love is a pulse. And what it takes to stay in love is a plan. So I'm going to give you, in about 38 minutes here, two sermons. I'm going to wrap one up really quickly and just make my point really quickly on this whole plan business. This really, I hold this true because there used to be a show that I hear is coming back called The Jerry Springer Show. I don't know if you ever caught that or like you were up late at night when I had, I had cable and I had cable in my bedroom and like there was really nothing on at night except for those people on QVC that sold all the swords which I love that guy, but after I'm like, no, not that one, you flip one over, and there's Jerry Springer with people who have an odd number of teeth fighting, and somebody always takes a shirt off. 
but by the end, somebody is crying and looking across the room and saying, but baby, I still love you. I don't think that's what Shakespeare was talking about. I don't, I don't think that that was part of his plan, but all I think it takes to fall in love is a pulse, and what it takes to stay in love is a plan. Now, I, I want to talk to you right now because some of you are in a marriage that you think is a loveless marriage, and it might be. Some of you have checked out the grass to see if it's any greener over there, and you're like, well, at least he can pay bills. That's a lot greener grass because money is that color, man. You've looked at that, and some of you have had your hearts broken. Actually, I'd wager to say all of us, with our pulses and all, have had our hearts broken by someone or something before. I, I believe that to be true. And, you know, there's times where I'm sitting with a couple, and they're telling me about how difficult it is. And I sat with a friend a few years ago, and he was in the process of divorce. And... He was saying to me, you know, everything that was going wrong and what they were struggling with, and all of it was completely legitimate. But I, I did have a thought, and I wasn't trying to be playful or anything like that. I, I just thought, okay, so when you, when you two are divorced, do you think you'll get married again? Well, yeah. Yeah, I, maybe, maybe, maybe after a while, you know, I'll take some time, I'll process. You know, I don't have anybody, like, on my radar right now, but, you know, maybe after a while, I'm like, okay. And you think... You think once you get married and you get to know that person, you'll probably have some fights too? Yeah. Do you think, do you think perhaps all the baggage that you're already carrying now you're going to take to the next marriage too? Well, yeah. Well, take my personal opinion is that you just find a way to make it work now because right now you've already done all of the exhausting legwork. You've already bought the house. You've already spent all the money. I'm just saying purely on economics, make it work. Okay, like what if you, I could help you find a way to fall in love again with the person who's next to you instead of having to start all over because I, I, I have, <laughs> we have one person in our life who's been married, I think five times, what was the last count. And I just, I asked her and I said, have you learned anything? Like what would you tell me to, what are the warning signs of a marriage? And she said, Marry me. That's a warning sign. Number one, are we all hearing the rumbling, the presence of the Lord trying to interrupt my jokes? All it takes to fall in love is a plan. Now, my wife and I, we have been married, we tried to figure this out, 12 and a half years? Thank you. She says she doesn't count anything past 10. That's why I was trying to figure that out. Now, married 12 and a half years, I, I, I know that we're not experts. I'm going to try to point you back to the Bible in what, what the scriptures tell us really clearly. Um, but here's my general belief, is that marriage is not just about finding the right person. Marriage is about becoming the right person. Marriage isn't just about finding the right person. It's about becoming the right person. And the typical idea of love is this idea that you can fall in love and out of love with somebody. And I just think maybe we need to, to change the way that we talk and think about love. But maybe love isn't something that you fall in, like you fall into a pool and almost drown, and, or you can fall out of a chair. I think love is something that you do. Love is a verb. I really believe that. And honestly, most of the marriages that where anybody's crazy enough to want to sit and talk with me about their marriage is because there is no love, because there is no action. 
There's no connection. There's no sex. There is no, there is no appreciation for the other person going back and forth. And, you know, people, when we get married, we are two people with a lot of baggage and a whole mess, and somehow we try to make it work. Now, my wife and I, before I go into what I think is the true cause of arguments and fighting, my wife and I have come up with some general rules because once you say something, you can't take it back. Now, you can recover, you can see good things, but it's always going to be a part of your history. So I'm just going to give you real quick, these won't be on the screen, some quick rules of engagement in the Gibson house. This is purely our opinion, um, but because she is Italian and I am a redneck, and that just, we know how to fight. You know, she, like, the Italians, man, whoa, that's like in a, chop off a horse head and just leave it next to you. Just, just find it. And I'm like, I don't even like horses, but sweet mercy. Her grandmother, I, I asked her once because she knew some people in the mafia, and I said, Nana, why didn't you put down the guy who was bugging your daughter? And she said, I looked into it. I couldn't afford it. I'm like, I didn't think that was real. Gosh. So here's one of our ground rules. Number one, we never threaten the relationship. No matter what kind of crazy thing that either of us are saying, no matter how much we fight, we just never threaten the relationship. My wife deserves security. Now, she also might deserve to be told, but she deserves security in the relationship. We don't attack that. Number one, my spiritual gift, number two, sorry, my spiritual gift in Kung Fu is sarcasm. No sarcasm when we're fighting. And we will call each other out on that tone. Um, now, it comes very naturally to me, and I want to fight with sarcasm, but no, you don't, you don't do it, because then I go to the couch with the dog. Want to name another one, honey? No. She's going to be available afterwards for all your couples counseling, <laughs> if anybody wants to take. Those are, those are the two that I feel comfortable sharing. I, I hope that's okay. Oh, and no swearing. Raise children, how many would have children? And he's over here thinking, that I could make a sandwich of what's left in the fridge. Like, that's, it doesn't, it doesn't get very deep. And, getting all over my notes. So what happened? He says, I've never been this way before. It's only happened when I'm with you. And she goes, well, I've never argued that way except with you. And he's like, no, you. And then they're fighting all over. And then there's a mess. And I'm never getting the glitter off this shirt. What happened? He got mad at her for what came out of him. Now, what's the point of all of this other than it's mild entertainment? That stuff that came out of him, came out of him. Because that was in there. <laughs> I know. Wow, stay with me here. And that stuff that came out of her, came out of her, not because of him, but it's that stuff because that's what was in there. Now, somebody came up to me one time, uh, they were a Christian as well, and they swore at me a lot, like, in a Jerry Springer kind of way, okay? They swore at me because I was winning 
in a video game, and they were not. And I had snuck up with them on Halo, and they were very upset with me and thought that I had found a way to cheat at Halo. I didn't cheat at Halo. I'm just way better than him at Halo. And then somebody apologized and said, I'm going to make up a name for him. Jim doesn't normally get that way. That's not who he is. That's not what's in there. The problem is, that's exactly what's in there. The Bible says it a couple different ways. One way it says is, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, she didn't put that in there. Well, she did in this one. I got some pink balls in my thing. Get out of there. I'm ruining my illustration. Back at you. My daughter. But in the fight that happens, I, 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 want, I want you to hear this scripture. This is from the book of Proverbs, first part of Proverbs 4.23, and it says this. Above all else, guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. You see, if I just kind of wrapped up the message right now, and I said, all right, everybody, you guard your heart because out of the overflow of your heart, you will shake. And when you get into a bump, your heart will explode. And it can explode at anger. It can explode a whole lot of different ways. But the problem is, is most of us don't know how to guard our hearts. Because we're not very good at guarding our hearts, but we are really good at monitoring our partner's behavior. Oh, I can tell you what's going on with her and her issues. And it's not my anger issues, it's her issues. We'll keep it vague for you, baby. I'll, I'll express myself, and I don't want to have that conversation later. There's, there's an idea that I, I want you to hold on to when you, when you guard your heart, also guarding your spouse's heart, but really you've got to take care of what's in there because that, that stuff will come out. But something that really struck me this week is, you know, men, we're trying to look for respect, uh, a place, a sense of belonging and identity maybe, and your wife or your partner they're looking for something very similar, but they're also asking for security from all of this. And something struck me that that's not all my wife needs from me. I am, and if you're married, this applies to you too, and you are the only legitimate source of romance in your partner's life. Everything else is fake. You're it. There is no romance in her life without you. And my wife doesn't have any... She can go see whatever movie she wants. She can read whatever book she wants. She can remember any story that she wants that might make her feel good inside for a moment. But all of it is cheap, and I'm the only source. I'm the only real thing that she's got when it comes to romance. And sometimes my heart is so unprotected, is so filled with something else other than what she needs that it creates a problem and it creates hurt. Your ability to feel certain things, to react to certain things, is determined by the condition of your heart. If you bring the volume down, I'll speak louder and we can get rid of the rumbly there. Your ability to stay in love has as much to do with the condition of your heart as it does the behavior 
and love your partner and spouse. It has as much to do with the condition of your heart as it does the behavior of your partner and spouse. You've heard before, perhaps, that it takes two people to make a relationship break or to make a relationship work. It's never, or usually not, always one person's fault. I stood in a room and sat with two of my best friends after there had been infidelity, and I said that it took two people to build the grenade and one person to pull the pin. And that's usually how it happens. We have to find a way to guard our hearts. And without this understanding, no amount of commitment that you make to each other can compensate for this dynamic. No amount of, of you made a promise or we, we swear we're never, you know what, we're, we're never getting a divorce and that's just not an option for us. And, you know, that's great. But I've also sat in the room, and you have too, with two people who are still married, but they're not in love. They lost that a long time ago. And they'll spend the rest of their lives together, but not in love with each other. Because there is no conditioning of the heart. And there, there used to be this old way, which could work in an ideal situation of, well, as long as he's taking care of her and filling her up, and she's filling him up, then they're taking each other and everybody's going to be okay. There's a word for that, and it's called being codependent. It's not healthy. It's not healthy. I am not responsible for, for example, I'm not responsible for every piece of emotional health for my wife. I don't have the tools to do that. She married a goofy guy. I am not perfect. She, you knew that early on, but bro, I can play guitar, okay? So I'm covering at least half the bases here. Good-looking guys play guitar. It's fact. It's science. Now, but you've got you've to come to this wrestling idea that your husband, your wife, does not Jerry Maguire complete you. All, all you are at best, they are not the satisfaction for your loneliness. They are not your fix. Because your spouse cannot fix your heart. We can break it, though. We can't fix it. Only God does that. The creator and healer of all things, only God can do that. But you and I have to develop some tools today that I, I want to give you. Because here's the bottom line. You might decide that you're against divorce, or you might say that this isn't worth it. I just hate the way that person makes me feel. And it's tough because you can easily see this in other people, but it's almost impossible to see this in yourself. I get, I get really frustrated because I'm like, how do they not see what I'm seeing? How do they not understand that? How do they not see, like, the plank eye idea out of, out of the Bible, you know, where it's like they're yelling at me for something that they're so guilty of? And, and that's because it's almost impossible for us to see ourselves as the bad guy in the story. I, for me, pretty much every argument that I've had or every relational falling out, I'm walking away saying, well, yeah, I wasn't perfect, but that... Look at their cup. Poof, it was a mess. It was all over the floor, and they didn't want to own it. Her googly eyes are two-dimensional. She can't look down and see the mess that she's made, but she can see his. Oh, look at it going down. And that's not even being judgmental. That's cognitive dissonance. That's just a way that we cannot seem to get to the idea that maybe we're the bad guy in the story. rut row. Because when you start asking those questions, you come up with a problem. Bottom line. What's in you is going to come out of you regardless of who is with you. What's in you, what's in your heart, 
it's coming out. One way or another, it's going to explode regardless of who's next to you. Part of marriage is just choosing the person that you're just, I'm going to wound you a lot emotionally over our years together. And finding that the other person, that was really dark. I thought it was hilarious that some of you are looking at me like a deer in headlights. Like, what did that pastor just say? I'm a romantic, don't worry. Here's what I think needs to happen. You need to, number one, name the emotion that you're feeling while you're fighting. Now, I know you've heard this before. You ever heard? Stop and think before you speak. Well, stop and think. What am I feeling right now? And this is so hard. It's tough for us guys, especially, uh, not because women have more emotions, but typically women have the ability to express them better than guys. And, and we have the whole complicated list too, but ours are, well, I'm mad. I'm mad. Well, I'm, fr- I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated. That's, mad. That's all, man. That's what I'm feeling right now. You want to know how I feel? I'm very frustrated that we can't fix this right now or that you would feel this way or I've been trying so hard and I'm not getting the... I'm very frustrated. I'm angry about it. But the ability... The ability for us to be able to determine them, I, I thought I would try to help, so I came up with a list for you that I'm just going to kind of read off here of emotions that you might feel. And these are all unique that could filter in to the frustrated and anger category. But anger is a real emotion. Also, they're just feeling left out. I don't know, when she says that or when he says that, when they say that, I feel left out. My partner speaks that way. I feel left out. I feel embarrassed. I feel unappreciated. I feel ugly. I feel unlovable. There's just too many problems with me, and they can see it all, and I just feel unlovable and defeated. I feel ugly. I feel like a failure. I don't know. When, when they say that to me, it makes me feel old and useless, neither of which are true. We worship an infinite God. I don't think he's looking at any age and going like, well, I'm used up with them. This makes me feel stupid. Man, I just don't like feeling stupid. I don't like having this argument when she makes that observation. It just makes me feel stupid. Like, of course I thought of that. Lonely, abandoned, scared, betrayed, picked on. Does that resonate with anybody? Jealous? It makes you feel jealous when you say that. Why, why can they receive that from you, but I can't? Disrespected, insecure, unwanted, belittled. You've got to find a way to name it. You've got to find a way to name it. What is this argument really doing to me? Because if every argument is just a court case to you, and it's just, we're going to find all the injustices and the proper executable punishments thereof, that's not love, is it? It's missing something. Now, you can be right all day. You can win an argument. And I, seriously, if marriage was just about Whoever debates the most, loves the most, you know, I would feel more akin to that because I can bury almost anybody in any given argument. I had so much fun in debate class because I had all this pent-up frustration from working with Christians that I would just, like, unleash in college class. And I would pick the worst side, and I won. I won the debate team by debating four fossil fuels. 
it's killing our planet, and I won. All they had to say, we're going to die in a thousand years, and they would have won. But I made them feel so crappy about themselves. And I don't see I'm giggling because I just remember fondly letting that out. Because that was in my heart at the time. I'm a bad mug. It's important that you say it out loud at first. Here's the problem. Here's why we, none of us really want to do that work. Man, even saying that right now, saying you've got to think about your emotions and how you feel that way and why you feel that way, I don't want to do that. We don't want to do this because we don't say things out loud because then we lose its power. We lose the excuse to be upset. If you have like this this hidden thing that's like, oh, she made me feel, then I can just be like, I can just sit and stew, and I can be justified in my thoughts, my anger, and I can shut down, and I can shut down all conversation. I can shut down, and by my shutting down, I retain a place of power in my argument, and I'll just go quiet and say, hey, I'm fine. I just need to, I just need to calm down, and I'll shut you off, and by doing so, I'll just add shame to you so that I can just get out of this. But when you speak it out loud and you bring what's really going on into the light, you're giving up power for a partner. You're inviting them in. Emotions like this, that that they just stay secret, they're powerful. But if you start unearthing them and saying it out loud, it'll begin to lose its power. And, you know, you'll get to a point where you go, you know what? The reason that my wife talks about her brother and it makes me jealous about how close they are together... Well, it, that's not her issue to talk about her brother and how much she likes him. It's not, it's not her issue. That's a me issue. That's, that's my problem that I'm feeling this way. That's my problem. That's, that's Tom's bead to work on. Jenna doesn't have a brother, so don't think he just got a free peek into my marriage. But that's mine. Yeah, I got in an argument, and during the argument, it came out, and it was a mess, and it takes two people to argue. I get it. But that was still in me. And if I name the, the emotion, that makes me feel jealous. I'm taking responsibility back for what's in my heart, which is why it's so important to guard them. Uh, this is a tomby. This has nothing to do with her. I think I've got to own this one. Why is it that somebody else's success, and her talking about that success, could make me feel like a problem. See, it would be fine if we say it's all about pulling into each other and if codependency was an issue, if we both showed up to the marriage as clean, perfect cups. But you and I, my friends, we have our own baggage. I've got serious daddy issues. (laughs) They're all over the place. And my wife is not the cure-all for any of my wounds. She's my wife. She is not responsible for restoring me, for fixing me. She's just my wife. And she's allowed to be in a relationship with me, and she's risked that next to me. But you see, a secret drives a wedge in between you and the person that you have committed to love for the rest of your life. Now, if somebody does the hard work, if your partner does the hard work and finally, like, says, it made me feel this way, I understand it, this is the emotion that I have, I want to give you a pro tip. Here's, here's what you say back to this person because this is just as important of doing all the hard work to figuring out your mess. Okay? Are you ready? Here's exactly what you say. 
I am so glad you told me. Okay, I really need this to sink in. This is so, so important. I'm so glad you told me. We're going to practice that together because I'm bored. Ready, set. I am so glad you told me. And then, and then you say, Nothing. (laughs) You say nothing after that. That isn't your invitation into now giving the commentary of your observations. Well, you shouldn't feel that way. You shouldn't feel that way. You should feel this way. Well, I'm so sorry that you feel that way. No, 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 no. I'm so glad you told me. And then you sit and you think about how amazing it is that you're married to somebody who will go through their own garbage for you and for them. I'm so glad you told me. What a gift a confession is to be handed to you, especially by the person. Listen, I, I, don't, I, I don't mean to be too PG-13. You know what I like really love about marriage? It doesn't matter, ladies, what kind of spanks you own. Your husband is going to know your secrets And my wife knows exactly what all this situation looks like and still loves me. She she has heard me do things in a bathroom just by sheer reverb chamber and then still loves me. She still gives me a kiss at night after that. That's incredible. I I don't get it. I, I honestly don't. I'd be over it. All the mysteries are spoiled. They've seen you on your best day, your worst day. They sit next to you after you're in the hospital. They take care of you, and they love you. And you can be a terribly disgusting person. I have held my wife's hair while she has vomited, and I have still loved her. It didn't, like, say, like, "Ah, this isn't doing it for me anymore after this. No, I'm in this thing. And I feel more connected at that moment. Marriage is awesome. Because finally, there is somebody that I don't have to do any secrets with. This is just me, baby. This is what I got. And she says, I got a spoon. Bring that pudding over here. And she loves me. That is the best part about marriage. I'll tell you the second best part of marriage is because we have a plan and we have rules and we are people that do hard work. We do hard work for marriage to figure out what's my bead in this fight. That's probably a new language we need to come up with, but... What's my deal? Why is this making me upset? We do that hard work, and here's what I know. Because we have made the commitment to never threaten the relationship, I know that no matter how bad this fight gets, I am still going to go to bed with this woman, and we are going to close our eyes, even though we wanted to a long time ago because it's 3.15 in the morning. Can't we just wrap this up till tomorrow? And the other person will say, no, we got to do this now because it'll get worse. Got to pop that pimple, baby. Let's do it. Come on. No, come on. I know that she's dedicated to falling in love with me still through this. And you know what? There are some arguments where I feel closer to her after an argument, and there are some arguments where I'm just like, thank God that's over. But regardless, I trust my wife. We're in this thing. Wouldn't you love to have confidence while arguing that my relationship's going to make it through this? I mean, she might rip off an ear by the end, but we're going to make it. We're going to be okay. To have that in your life, what would you give? Would you do the work of finding out what's going inside your heart to have that? 
because it's hard. And you know what? You might need a counselor to help you figure it out. That's exactly what my guy does. I walk in and I'm like, let me tell you about a few things that happened this week. And I unpack it and I'm like, what's happening here? That dude helps me work through it. It doesn't matter how stupid it sounds to him. He's in it. There are other funny ones that we like to have in our rules. It's like no witnesses in case one of us finally gives in and murders the other. No, it's just I don't want my kids to see us argue. I think it's okay that they know that mom and dad argue uh, because I also want them to see, look how mom and dad didn't give up on each other. I think that that's a really powerful thing for them to say, but you might choose something else. That's why I'm saying this is the Gibson household. And uh, the other one is no storming off. you got to stay. Uh, now, if you really, really need to calm down, you have to say, I need five minutes to calm down because everything we're about to say isn't true. It's, it's just all stuff that's, can I, can I go empty my stuff for five minutes? And it has to be short. And then, yes, she has to agree with it. The other person has to agree with it so that we can come back. And ding, ding, here we go again. But that's respect and not threatening relationship. Say, I'm not walking away from you. I'm walking to collect me. Because I'm responsible for what I'm saying right now. I don't hold her responsible for when I say crazy stuff. We've made that decision, and it's hard. Because I know when I'm right, right? Okay. How do you change? How do you, how do you get to a place where somebody could actually say that to you? Because I'll tell you, the, the real risk and somebody coming to you and telling you, I've been doing some work and I've processed and these are the emotions that I feel, the real risk is that you're going to want to change them. You're going to be like, okay, well, now we know what this is, so let's address it and let's fix it. Let's fix it. Let's fix it together. Let's do that together. Once again, that's not your job. If I come to my wife or if Mr. Mug goes to Mrs. Mug and says, listen, I realize that this isn't all from you. You know, the emotion is I just felt really unlovable. Well, she doesn't get to turn into Mrs. Therapist now and start saying, well, help me unearth all of that for you. No, no, no. Her job is to say, I'm so glad you told me because now that you're not harboring the secret and hanging it over her head, you become one flesh again. Not, I'm going to fix this part. Not, oh, I, I know exactly what's going on with you. I've made some observations and I'm going to fix it. I'm just telling you to honor, honor somebody being that honest with you. Thank them for telling you, and then shut up. Healthy people, <laughs> healthy people do this. When they find out that something, that something that they say, do, or elicits a negative response to someone else, if she finds out, wow, when we, when we had that fight, and I said this and this brought out of you, you know what a healthy person response is? Without talking, they stop doing it. Oh, no, 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 no. That's his beads. You just said that's Mr. Mug's beads, Tom. I'm paying attention. Good. If there is something that is obviously hurtful, painful, and they do the process and they say, it's not your fault, but it is in me, it's, well, it's my understanding of nitroglycerin is small, but I know don't shake it. As soon as the nitroglycerin says, this makes me blow up because I was raised as a nitroglycerin, I say, well, I better not poke it then. And I'm going to figure out how to handle this. Because that's just general respect. Now, for me, there's a thing that happened a long time ago. It's for a whole other story. 
I can't stand it when somebody points at me in any context. It's like if I'm sitting in a meeting and Scott, the sweetest man I know, is like just pointing around and saying like, okay, Tom, and he's next to me, and that finger starts pointing with me. I like Neo from The Matrix, like duck. I just, I don't like being pointed at. I don't like it. Um, it feels very aggressive to me because of a thing that happened when I was a kid, and just if that happens, it stops. And you know what? I told Jenna because she was arguing and she was making a point, and my crane kick flared up because I was like, don't come at me. Do you know what my wife does not do anymore? She doesn't point at me. Thank you. I saw that. It's a good thing we have distance. Sharing my issues with you people, and you just start poking. <laughs> no, she honors me in that. It's my problem. It's my beat. And yes, I'm doing work to make it so where when my cute eight-year-old points at me, I'm not like, back off. You know, like, I don't do that. But there's like, there's like a twinge in me that stops. Because she's an emotionally reasonable person. She's like, oh, my husband has a wound. Let me help him. But then she doesn't turn around and say, let's talk about all the digits. Are any of these options? Like, no. You don't need more rules in your marriage. New rule, new rule, new rule. Don't point at dad. Well, when you ask me to take out the trash, it brings me back into the town. It's about talking and saying, what am I really feeling right now? What are we really going to do with this? Your prayer should be something like this. God, help me overcome what is inside of me because, my friends, your ability to stay in love has as much to do with the condition of your heart as it does the behavior of your partner. Your ability to stay in love with anyone, anyone, has much to do with the condition of your heart as the behavior of your partner. Proverbs 4.23, this is the second half of a Proverbs 4.23. We can put that up. Above all else, guard your heart for everything that you do flows from it. Everything that you do flows from it. Your understanding and what you've allowed to park itself inside of your heart is going to come out regardless of who you're with. So you better guard it. Be careful what you let in. Be careful what you experience. And start paying attention. Because when something's going on in there, and it gets ugly, and all of a sudden something 10 years into the marriage comes up that just brings something nasty out of you, and you're like, I had no idea that that was in me. Taking the blame takes all your power away. It makes you vulnerable. But like I said, my favorite part of being married is that I've found somebody that I want to be vulnerable with. And if she does the work, to understand herself, not just what I'm doing wrong, I'm going to honor that. Because humane, in a psychological level at least, but in any human level, you've got to admit, that's one of the toughest things to do, is to stop and not be a victim of the relationship that I've committed to for the rest of my life. I will not be a victim to my spouse. Now, there are some marriages where you are a victim, or you've been a victim. Some of you have been abused. That's not on you. You are not responsible for when your spouse raises a hand against you. They might have felt terrible about it. They're like, I don't know. I don't know what came over me. I don't know what came over you. I do. We've got some beads we need to work on, man. But she is not responsible for that. 
and he is, and he's got to address it. And some of you, if you need a safe place to go, we are ready to be your church. If you are in danger, we're ready to be your church. And we will call in experts and we will get help. We're ready to do that. Because that's not arguing. That's dehumanizing somebody. But I've got to tell you, what's in you is going to come out of you regardless. Did I just lose the mic? Regardless of who is with you. What's in you, it's coming. And no matter if you find somebody who doesn't bring you out of you as often, you want somebody who's a little more gentle, somebody who goes with the flow, somebody who doesn't have the same issues, it's still coming, regardless of who you choose to marry. Can we stand up and pray together? Again, thank you so much for for your patience. You know, when you fight, stuff comes out. Jesus talks about this, and he says, there is nothing good that grows in the darkness. There is nothing good that grows in the darkness. And some of us, we need to confess and bring it out in the light. May I say that the most intimate thing that you can do in your marriage is to confess to your spouse and say, this is what's going on in my heart. And what we're doing together to, to run from each other, that's heartbreaking. And when there's that significant a disconnection, nothing can be disconnected and live. So, of course, the love will die if you don't learn how to talk. Stop putting up boundaries to the person that you're supposed to be one flesh with. God, we love you, we trust you, and we thank you so much for that wisdom about guarding our hearts. May we pay attention to what we take in, and maybe we be att- pay attention to what's going in there, not just observing our partner. Can we stop keeping a record of each other's wrongs and reveling in the problems of others? But may we believe in the flowering of truth, as 1 Corinthians 13 says. It's all this we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.